0: Welcome back to Goonie's World. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I am joined, as always, by Meanie, also known as Ryan. Hello. And Johnny Farrow, also known as Sean. Hey, hey, hey. And we're back again once once again, of course, with the good Dr. H, also known as Zach. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, hey, we're oh, back oh, like again it. for... Somebody's got to go hee-hee-hee now. Hee-hee-hee. We're playing hee-hee-hee hee, we now. Hee-hee-hee. Ho, now ho, ho, we're ha, playing ha. Sh- Heroes of Sherwood Forest, episode number four.
1: That's right. It's a, it's a one-page game that uses the Tricube Tales system, which I kind of like. And I would like to explore Tricube Tales system a little further. Uh, Before we go much further, I want to thank Theo, JT, and Lag Musics for some of the music we're using in tonight's episode and that we've used for the last three. In the last three episodes, we've been following the adventures of Spencer Twitty, a runaway boy, Belgar Fragosi, an Igor-like cook, and Arthur Brown, outlawed noble bastard who the three of them have gotten together and gone outlaw in Sherwood Forest and robbed Sir Decusi and deprived him of a well-hidden gem, now known to legend as the Poop Ruby, and gathered some followers called the Lovely Lads, gave alms to the poor villagers of Sourhampton, and made a deal with Robin Hood, who turned out to be kind of an ass, and uh, found out that their young follower, Roger Good, was arrested for crimes that they committed. They think that he's the Poop Ruby Bandit, when in fact our heroes are the Poop Ruby Bandits. So they traveled to the Creswell Crags and awakened the legendary sorcerer Merlin, who taught them how to summon the demon Fyriel, granted them magical powers to aid them in rescuing Roger Good from the dungeons of Nottingham Castle. Belgar used magic to disguise himself as a guard, and... uh, bringing spencer into the castle as a supposed prisoner they managed to make their way into where the dungeons were meanwhile arthur turned invisible and grabbed an armload of gold from the grasping sheriff of nottingham who was busy counting up his ill-gotten gains and at the entrance to the dungeon the disguised belgar presented spencer as a prisoner spencer probably announced uh, promptly announced that he was the devil and uh The guards led him to where Roger Good was being put to the question. They were in there breaking his fingers. And Belgar convinced the guards that the sheriff wanted to see uh, Roger. And so in a quiet hallway by the castle kitchens, uh, Belgar told the guards that Spencer is in fact the devil. And when the skeptical guards leaned in to look Spencer in the eye and see a vulgar display of power, the invisible Arthur rushes up and launched a kick at the guard's face, and uh, I think that's where we will begin. So, I assume you were going to kick him in the face. I think that's where we ended last time, Arthur.
2: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> that uh, seems about right to me. Um, yeah, I was just gonna because I figured <laughs> that was the you know only thing I could really do that that wouldn't you know necessitate. Hands,
1: <laughs> right, right. Which are holding an armload of gold, of course. Right, right. And when you're invisible and you're holding something, it's that's invisible too. So it's not like there's a floating pile of gold running around. But you do kick him, and so go ahead and roll a challenge to kick this guard in the face. But since you're invisible, it's easy. So we just need the target number of four for that and of course remember if you succeed you will get to narrate what happens there's another guard there he's standing up he's not kneeling down looking in spencer's eyes to see a sign of the devil but uh it's just you just you guys and the guards and roger in this hallway by the kitchens uh there's no one else out in the hallway you can hear the activity of the kitchen and feel the heat of the ovens and the flickering of the flames but so far it's kind of quiet and uh as private in this hallway as anywhere can be. So here comes that kick right to the face of the guard from the invisible foot. <clears throat> right, so uh, how many dice, first of all? You, well, three dice, because I think this, uh, you're very strong, and I think that uh, you're exceptionally strong, and I think an exceptionally strong kick w- would be right in your, uh, in your wheelhouse. All right. Oh, well, that's going to be a three, a three, and a one. Well, let's not forget that uh, yeah. you can spend a karma after rolling to reduce the difficulty by Although, one, which would reduce it to a three.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: And then you would succeed. Um, so would you like to do uh, that?
2: Yeah, I think I will.
1: Okay, well, then you do succeed. You kick him right in the face, and what happens then?
2: Well, um, I would like to narrate that um, it's a very forceful uh, kick, right to the bridge of his nose, basically, um, which causes it to which causes him to first of all fall backwards, and uh, causes his his nose to start bleeding profusely, um, and but his head snaps back such that. Um, Blood, um, the blood that like erupts from his nose gets flung back into his eyes, and it looks like he's crying blood.
1: <laughs> All right, and you know the other guard—he he can't see you kick him. You know he was looking for a sign that Spencer is the devil, right? So he's down there looking in his eyes. All of a sudden, his head flies backwards. He appears to be weeping blood. The other guard who is there screams at the top of his lungs like a little girl. Just a high-pitched, unmanly scream. He screams, The devil!
3: It's the devil! You want to see more?
0: I'll show uh, you more!
1: And what do you guys do then?
0: Um, I'm waiting to see if... Does he run off or anything? It looks like he's going to start running.
1: He's, He's screaming. He's a little bit stuck in place for the moment, but you can see those... Those feet are doing the Scooby-Doo thing where they start running in place for a few seconds before they finally start running. And what do you guys want to do about that?
0: He might go cause, you know, people to come running, you know, see what the commotion is and all that. So I think uh, being agile, I'm just going to quickly, like, jump on his back and try to, like, muffle his voice with my hands. Okay. Okay, go Stop for him it. From screaming, you're, you're very agile. Okay. I
1: think this this will be a five, not a four, but we'll go with the standard five. But you should roll three dice because this does uh, directly apply to your trade of being agile. So you leap onto his back, try to
0: muffle. It. Um. Okay. So it's a five. You said.
1: Yeah, five is what you need.
0: Okay, and I rolled two fours, so I am going also going to spend a karma.
1: Yeah, sure. Right, we better spend that karma. That's what it's there for. So, yeah. You know we've all got we all start the game with three karmas. So you succeed. You're you've jumped on his back and tell me what happens again. Narrate narrate how this goes down.
0: So he's screaming like
3: It's the devil!
1: <laughs>
0: and as I place my hand over his mouth and I've got you know, I'm like Piggybacking him, I'm like on him like a backpack, and um, I'm got my legs laced around his body so he can't shake me off, and um, holding my hand over his mouth and muffling him. Okay. And um, if somebody else wants to do something, they can. Yeah, because yeah. he, he looks
1: like he's <coughs> about so to start running mentioned- off with you on his back. So <laughs> what do you want to do, Belgar? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Well, you had mentioned that we are close to a kitchen area. That's right, the
1: kitchens. Yeah, you can hear the roaring fires Mm. and the the smell of the cooking meat for the sheriff of Nottingham. Belgar.
4: Belgar is an accomplished cook, so he knows that one of the things, one of the ingredients that uh, uh, one uses a lot in cooking, and especially when cooking tough meats to try to make them less tough, would be uh, wine. Um, Soaking things in wine for long periods of time. So I think uh, I'd like to spend a karma to add a narrative piece to the encounter here. That would be that we're in this hallway that's near the kitchen. Surely it would make sense that perhaps there's some uh, some racks along the hall here that might have some bottles of wine or things of that nature upon them. Does I think that that's, reasonable?
1: I think it's totally reasonable, and yeah, in case our listeners don't know, you, in this game you could spend a karma to influence a story somehow, or discover a clue, or have some useful detail. so this is perfectly appropriate.
4: So I believe that Belgar would reach, uh, reach onto that wine rack, grab what appears to be a nice hefty bottle, um, and club this dude over the head with it.
1: <laughs> go for it. Go for it. I think that's a pretty crafty move, actually, so I think we can use your three dice, and let's go ahead and roll those three dice and hope one of them's a five.
4: Triple fives.
1: Oh, nice. Five, five, five. Five, five, five. Yeah. Neighbor of the beast. And Buy lottery ticket. And so, yeah, what happens then?
4: Uh, So I would actually, with, a, with that amount of success, <clears throat> uh, a triple success, I would really like it if the bottle doesn't break. Um, sure If it could be We're basically just You know Grab bottle Whack Knock him out um, To where he Passes out Cold Basically mm-hmm. uh, The the other guy You had mentioned Kicked in the face Crying blood I Yeah mentioned, I mentioned Was it mentioned Whether he was still Conscious or not
1: I don't think he said That he was unconscious I didn't specify Yeah, yeah So
4: man. Is he conscious or not? Well, I think we can assume. I that. didn't intend
2: for him to be knocked out. Um, I had intended. Well, and I didn't narrate this specifically, but I had intended for him to just kind of start screaming, because um, it was going to look like he was sort of crying blood. He'd just be like, Aah! you know, all yeah,
1: this. Yeah, and I think he is. He's probably still gargle screaming, and probably some of the screaming has attracted attention, just not immediate so attention.
4: That's what Belgar's trying to cut down on. Um, boy, I tell you, the next if he's still conscious, the next step would probably be to take that trusty bottle and try and knock him out as well.
1: Well, let's just do it again. Do it again. His
4: eventual plan here would be to knock, knock these two out, take some more bottles of wine and kind of pour it on them, put some of the empty bottles in their hands to maybe give the illusion that these guys just came along and got super drunk okay. and passed out in the hallway here. Um, okay. And don't but, forget,
1: uh, you still got Roger yeah. Good in tow as well, you know. So uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, go for that. Why don't you hit him again, but let the target number be a four because he can't see. There's blood in his eyes. He can't see the blow coming. He's panicked. Uh panic.
4: Uh-oh. A one, a two, and a four. Okay, you okay. You said it was four or
1: five. All right. So, yeah, tell us what happens then.
4: Was it – you said that was a four, not a five?
1: you just need uh, oh no it was a 5 uh, was, no 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 it was a 4 because a like fu- i said his blinded from the blood right right
4: right okay do i need to spend a karma to make it happen i guess is no, my question. I no got a one, because two, a it was four. already it a was a four. 4 okay yeah cool well that one probably just got it so i think we're um, maybe that one probably breaks the bottle, I would think. Um, seems a little bit more realistic that, that uh, the second whack with that particular wine bottle probably shatters it. Right. And um, it would, which,
0: go ahead. It would give him a, an excuse for why his eyes are, or why there's blood, you know. If, <laughs> if this was a drinking scenario, there, the blood has to be explained somehow, and that would be why... If you have a shattered bottle lying around. Yeah.
1: Now, I'll point out that so far, when you guys made the deal with the demon, Furiel, uh, you know, Belgar's already used his power of disguise and illusion. And Arthur's already used his power of uh, invisibility. Spencer has not yet used his power of flight that that he has. But I assume you guys would be wanting to get the hell out of the hallway or the castle or...
4: Yeah, I think, uh, Belgar... Okay, guys, grab the bottles, pour, pour wine all over them, put bottles in their hands, and let's go. Let's go. Hurry.
3: All right.
0: Okay, yeah, so I gonna, will uh,
1: We can do assume that. you guys uh, yeah. do that, and we'll assume you don't take that much time doing it. And, you know, down at the end of this hallway that opens right back out to the courtyard where the guard barracks were and the... Uh, and the, the sheriff's counting house, and a few other things you passed on the way in. Uh, the only other way out you know of is back into the dungeons and out through the the robe or the toilets, which Merlin, who lives backwards, has already warned against. But you can certainly do. So which way do you guys want to run?
4: Well, I think our adventures so far have involved enough poop that we don't need to add more into the equation. You're, you're <laughs> so probably right. um, You're probably right. <laughs> I think... Uh, Maybe just ride out, you know, walk as casually as possible. I guess we have Roger Good, don't mm-hmm,
1: we? Mm-hmm,
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you... Well, Belgar's still... Bel- yeah, Belgar's still disguised, so theoretically he can kind of move freely around. Mm-hmm. Um. So he could... Uh, the, the whole prisoner kind of... Uh, plan is probably blown at this point, I don't know, you know, I, I, you guys just gotta make a run for it? Or
0: I'll, I've been waiting to use Arthur? my power so I could cause a distraction.
1: Well, when you guys uh, run for it out in the direction of the courtyard, there's been enough screaming that by now there's about a dozen guards, you know, running across the courtyard towards the hallway that leads back into the kitchens and the dungeon. So you see them running up to you, but all they see, they obviously don't see Arthur, but they do see a guard with with Spencer and Roger in tow, you know, who probably seem like they're prisoners, but they come rushing up and uh, uh, what's all this about the devil? What's this about the devil? What's going on? What's going on? Why do you what is this? Why is this one out? And they, they're asking all kinds of questions about Roger and and uh, looking indignant and half of them don't really recognize you anyway. I know you said you were with the mercenaries and and all that, and there's a lot of guards, but they're they're certainly suspicious as they come rushing up to you, hands on the hilts of their swords, not drawn yet. But the situation is getting a little tense, and they're kind of in between you guys and the gate, big castle gate, which is still open because uh, it's daytime. And uh, what do you guys do then? Well, I'm invisible. Um, yes. You so are. I'm just
2: gonna keep. I'm just gonna run and dodge any people because uh, they can't see me. So
1: yeah, they can't see you, you can just run right out the gates. You know, with your visible armload of gold. But meanwhile, meanwhile, and one of them's poked his head down into the hallway, and he's seen the, you know, the guys laying on the floor with all the, with broken glass and wine bottles and, and all that. And he turns and he says, "What's happened here?" The devil. What do you mean the devil? We heard all about the devil. Are you saying that the devil's manifested himself in Sherwood and in Nottingham Castle? The devil here in the very castle?
3: You've heard about the devil, but have you seen the devil?
1: Never seen the devil. I hope to never see the devil. Have you seen the devil, boy?
3: I am the devil! Fairy will take my soul, lay me in my
1: hole, I will pay the toll. And saying the I, magic I words
0: rise up into the air.
1: Okay, yeah, well, jaws drop. You hear one go,
0: Dear
3: heavenly God!
1: Everybody in the courtyard, not just the guards that are confronting you, freak out. There's screams all over the place. And uh, now they're all screaming, That
3: devil! That devil! The devil child you won't
1: burn
4: the, the kid the kid told me that, that that he had killed the sheriff Go go check on the sheriff I didn't believe him but clearly he's the devil
1: Some of them run off to to check on the sheriff um but but everyone is completely distracted they're all looking up in the air in horror and fascination at this flying yeah. boy who's screaming that he's the devil
0: I will fly up. Get me, get me a bow!
4: Someone, one of you, go get me a bow!
0: I will fly up higher and, and do some like <clears throat> loopy loops and twirls in the sky just to get their attention that way um, and uh, try to, to distract as many as I can.
1: Okay, well, Almost all of them are looking up in the air with their jaws dropped. Some of them have fallen on their knees and they're crossing themselves and praying, but a bow is thrust into your hands, Belgar. What do you do with it?
4: Uh, I would, <clears throat> He'll make it just a spectacle of trying to shoot um, at, uh, at our flying demon boyfriend here um, and purposefully miss um. Yeah. Okay. Right. Those are hard to shoot. I'm sure that that he's up in the air, but try to you know make a as much of a spectacle out of it as I can, with the intent that hopefully, in this cause of calamity and everything, that Roger can scoot sneak away unseen, um, somehow. Well,
1: Roger certainly. And of course, he's run around with, like, broken fingers, you remember? Like they, they got every finger, I think, and they're all bent back in weird shapes. And he's been, he said they have shit beat out of him, too. But he can bloody well run out of here. And uh, so that part seems to work. Roger is not really noticed. He just, just makes a, he doesn't even sneak for the gate. He kind of makes a dash for the side of the wall where he won't be noticed quite as much and then starts moving over towards the gate. Unfortunately, a lot of the guards who are not completely uh, freaked out by the, the flying devil can also think that it's a great idea to shoot him down, and so uh, about a dozen of them just start launching arrows into the sky. So, Spencer, you got to dodge these arrows. There's arrows are like flying up into the air at you. Uh, you're agile, so go ahead and roll three dice, but we're going to need a five. For you to not get hit by an arrow.
3: Oh, here I go.
0: Uh, no, I got two fours again. Oh, well, and, um, do, you,
1: do you want to spend one of your remaining karmas to not get hit? I
0: have one karma left, and yeah, I better not get hit. So you
1: better not get hit. Okay, all right. Well, then you can uh, narrate how you dodge those arrows and even where those arrows might land, if you wish.
0: Yeah, you know, just uh, just to make it very dramatic, I will just sway, just barely dodging some of them, and um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what's uh, you know behind me or whatever where those arrows might fall well, into.
1: They they'd probably just fall back into the courtyard.
0: Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, I, I at least want to say, may, I don't want to take it too far and say they, you know, kill people, but uh, probably get close enough to where some of these guards or whatever are going to kind of like duck and, and uh, look away and just be further distracted. By the arrows coming down on them,
1: yeah, I think that they probably would be, and I think Roger slips away. But uh, um, the the guards in the original room that Roger was taken out of have also come running up down the hallway, and they passed the the the, the drunks, the, the, what they perceive to be the drunks, and uh, they run out and there they see the chaos in the courtyard, and suddenly this cry starts going up from. From various people that, uh, you know, the, the devil, the devil has sprung the poop ruby bandit. The poop ruby bandit's missing. Where is he? Where's that little bastard? Where'd he go? I mean, while well, you've made your way outside the castle already, Arthur, and you see Roger just, like, make a break for the gate. he just charges across the drawbridge and just starts tearing through the town. Do you want to keep an eye on him and follow him, or or, or what do you want to do while you're outside? Um, <clears throat> so there's obviously a commotion going on in the courtyard. Oh, terrible um, commotion.
2: Yeah. So when Roger crosses the drawbridge, um,
1: I'm just going to be like, Hey, Roger, Roger, over here. He, he, he looks around in all directions. You know, he, he sees nothing, obviously. Of course, the magic only lasts an hour, but it's been less than an hour you know, since all this started going down, but uh, he does his best to, to try to make his way towards the sound of your voice. But he's also looking back nervously at the castle gate. But uh, I think uh, he could probably find you if you help him and get close. And he's what is it? What's going on? Where? Where are you? I, I see nothing. I see nothing, but I've seen so many wonders today. It's a wonder that you're not in league with the devil. Is that your voice, Arthur? Is that your voice? Is that you?
5: Of course it is, yes. Uh, And, um, well, um, I I don't want to talk too loudly. I don't want to be heard. But um, if you reach out your hand about chest height, I sound like Richard Dawkins almost. That's weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, if you reach out your hand about chest height and and feel something and grab onto it and pull it out.
1: As long as it's chest height, I, I'm not a foe. Uh, and uh, he he reaches out and fumbles around, but he keeps looking back nervously at the gates, like expecting guards to come rushing out any minute. He does get a handful of gold, uh, if that was your intent, and he stares at it with his eyes wide. That was my intent. Yeah. Stares at yes. it with his eyes wide. And he says, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get back to Sourhampton. Yes, in we fact, We must. I'm having trouble grabbing this gold because look at my poor fingers. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, I forgot about that. That was rather cruel of me. I apologize. <laughs> he's kind of like both hands. He's got to like just kind of palm it, right? Yeah. I forgot about that, too. So in his broken hands, he's got the handful of gold. And uh, he again, he says, we've got to make a run for it. Uh, and then Boy, he's turning we, must around.
5: Wait, we, we must wait for Belgar and Spencer, I'm afraid.
1: And speaking of Belgar and Spencer, uh, yeah, ev- all eyes, though, are on Spencer, who's wheeling and flying about in the sky. Uh, what are you doing, Belgar? As all the other guards have tried to loose their arrows at him, but they're missing him. And then the, the falling arrows are calling, causing even more chaos, you know. Uh, what, yeah. do you, what do you do?
4: Um, Belgar would like to try to go get a horse. Well, surely there's a stables uh, are nearby. Horses available to guards. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, in fact, I mentioned stables last time. I didn't bring them up this time, but there are stables nearby. You could certainly run in there and grab a horse. And the Flemish mercenaries always keep a horse or two saddled for a emergency errand. And uh, I don't think anyone would notice you rushing in to get a horse, as everyone is screaming about the end of the world. And still, you know, a few. Half-hearted arrows are shooting up at the devil child flying around in the sky.
4: Yeah. So Belgar assumes Arthur and Roger have gotten away. Um, He can't see Arthur. Obviously, it seems like they've been able to sneak out. Um, He's going to assume that Spencer will be able to fly away. Um, I don't know at, at what speed he flies, but surely there's a way that he'll be able to fly and get to the the forest <clears throat> and be unreachable by those who might be pursuing him. Oh, gosh. I so, so. Yeah. Belgar's plan is to, as long as he's still a guard, get on a horse and ride away. All right. Uh, under the guise of heading into the forest looking for the perpetrators.
1: All right, right. He's and- going to... And you Keep might even going. say as much to the guy who grabs a horse, and he, he even smacks a horse on the butt on the way out to speed your way. <laughs> you are charging across the crowded courtyard. People are, you know, leaping out of the way of the horse as they're trying to dodge fallen arrows and gaping at the, the flying devil boy. And uh, meanwhile, outside, Arthur, you see, you see uh, Belgar charging out on horseback. And, Belgar, you see Roger good. He's about halfway through the village. There's a few guards out in the village who see him running, and they're like looking like they're going to try to run to, to intercept him and grab him before he can get out of the village. Uh, but you're a lot faster than them on that horse. What do you do? And I guess Arthur can do too. Well, I'm thinking I'm too. going
4: to go trample those guards, then.
1: Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. No, just just a ride down a guard. It's accidentally, a of course. Okay, all right. Well, I think uh, I think this does require a roll. I don't think it would be that hard, because they're not looking at you. But uh, I think we should have a roll for this, but I think the target can be a four to, uh, to accidentally on purpose trample a guard or two.
4: Ooh, one, two, and three. Uh, so I will spend that last karma.
1: Okay, we're all running out of
4: karma.
1: Now don't forget uh, you can gain a karma if you want to increase the difficulty before you roll uh, in the future by using your quirk and how that might hinder you, but uh, hopefully you won't need to do that, but I think at least two of you are out of karma now. So yeah, uh, tell us how those guards get trampled.
4: Yeah, so he would be Belgar would be coming in, oh, I will get him! I will get out, out of the way, you, you clumsy oafs! Have you, oh, oh! And just, you know, under the guise of accidentally running into them, trampling them. Um, <clears throat> maybe like even I don't know what kind of a horseman uh, Belgar would be. Probably not a very good one, probably not but really, yeah. uh, being able to kind of stop and, and I don't know where we pull back in the reins and the horse kind of picks its front feet up and goes, you know, kind of a deal that, you know, that sort of a deal, Um, but mostly just trying to knock them over. If they happen to get actually run over, well then, you know, that's what they get for being guards at the Nottingham castle.
1: That's right. In fact, I mean, and the couple, you do hear some cracking bones break. One guy's shin just goes off sideways, you know, as a horse steps on it, but most of them kind of scatter and stumble and fall out of the way. You do see, uh, this is cool. Of course, we're out in the, the village itself now, and you can see that Roger's made it to the edge of the village, and he's charging across the, the plowed field towards the forest. What are you doing, Arthur, in your invisibility? Of course, you see all this happen. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think I'm just going to wait <laughs> for Belcar
2: to finish uh, and then hope that uh, he'll give us a ride. You know, I mean cuz it looks like he's got it pretty much under control right with these people like getting all these broken bones and stuff
4: yeah and his plan would be delay long enough for Roger to get into the woods and then eventually ride to where Roger is get Roger and go into the woods okay and so i think if, if i think if you want to ride there
1: all... since belgar can't see you and you want to, if you want to ride you better get over to that horse that he's on somehow and figure out how to ride yeah. on the back of a uh, so while
4: would,
0: holding gold
4: you might have to make a tough decision there. Well, or just walk back he's not with all your gold.
0: Holding the gold anymore? Is he? Isn't he? At least you passed it on to. to well, Roger, I, gave, I
2: gave. I wanted to give him a, like a couple coins to just. Oh, yeah. You know, to
0: yeah.
2: Go. Um. We're in the village, right? Right.
5: I'm gonna look around. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Roger to. Uh, so get out of here and go into the woods quickly, and uh, I will meet you there. And then, uh, while this horse is, is,
2: you know, stomping on these guards, um, Arthur's going to just run around looking for, uh, I assume that there's, you know, um, maybe like a blacksmith or some kind of, you know, merchant of some kind with sacks of something, potatoes, or you know, but he wants to find, you know, basically a burlap sack that he can put this fucking
1: gold in. Well, I did say that it was market day last time when you guys came in here. The place is full of people coming in to buy goods. So I don't think we need to rise this to the level of spending a karma to find a, a burlap sack that, uh, that you can throw the gold into real quick while those guards are getting stomped. And then what do you do? Um... Put the gold in it and take it. And right. <laughs> run. 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 out Like, out in the village, or you said you were trying to hitch a ride on the horse. You are trying to get on the back of the horse? You just head you running for the No, woods. no, no. I'm, I'm going to meet up with, um, yeah, I'm going to meet up with Roger in the woods. Okay. Well, Roger's taking off for the woods. Meanwhile, so it sounds like three of our friends and four of you, you know, three of our friends are out of there. But, Spencer, you're still flying around. I'm the devil. I'm the devil. Up above the... Uh, And then some of the people in the village are now starting to see. I mean, you're up higher than the level of the castle walls, right? This is now is a point where people in the village are starting, you know, spreading throughout the town and screams of the devil. Uh, This is the Middle Ages. You know, everybody loves the devil. Everybody loves to be afraid of the devil. And now a bit of, of a panic is starting in the village itself as everyone's pointing in your direction as you loop de loop and fly and pirouette above the uh, castle walls, what do you do? And you can see, you can see Roger from your vantage point. You can see Roger charging across the the fields, almost almost to the, the forest, and you can see Belgor riding out after him on the horse. and And uh, what do you do?
0: Um. So. Did you mention like a drawbridge earlier?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's down, so they can get across it
0: easy. But. Well, I might, I don't know if it would help, but if it would, I would like to, uh, like kind of swoop in and maybe if there's a way to close a drawbridge.
1: Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta release the, yeah. release the catch and then the, the drawbridge will pop back up on its counterweight. But, uh, I think so you fly over and do that.
0: Yeah, if that can you know, slow people that we might well, be I, chasing after
1: I, I think it's a great way to then. slow them down. Yeah, yeah. Now the thing is though, you know, you're you're just a boy and that's pretty heavy counterweight and uh usually takes a guy or two. So I think I should make you roll for this, you know. Uh, so why don't you, as you fly over and grab the, the rope and try to yank it so the counterweight will fall and the drawbridge will come cranking back up, go ahead and yeah. roll your, uh, so, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to be a hard ass, but this is really more of a strength thing. It's not really directly related to your trait of agility, even though I would love to see this right. work. I, th- I think we can only roll two dice. I'm looking for the five. Okay. And, of course, you're out of karma, but... Now, if you want to increase this to a six, you can gain a karma, but...
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah... I mean, if I, if I uh, say, like, use my... Um, what is it? Uh, my quirk, which is naive, like, maybe I think this is a super easy thing to do. Because sure. I'm naive. I don't know how they work. So I think I'm just going to be able to, uh, you know, just easily uh, do it quickly. Uh, so, okay. Well, yeah, the, I might the, as well. The
1: difficulty, increases, mm-hmm. the difficulty increases to six, but you do have a karma. So if you roll a five, you can always bump it back down to the five. If not, it just may fail. And you would still get to narrate the consequences of failure. Well, I rolled a six, so... Hey, what what do you know? What do you know? So, yeah, you you fly over, you grab the rope, yank it. Apparently it was easy. Apparently you weren't so naive. The counterweight falls, and the drawbridge just swings up. And uh, then what do
0: you do? Maybe, yeah, so... I think I'll take off in the direction uh, that my friends are going. Okay. Um, flying, I assume. Yeah, but I, uh, I don't want to like give their positions away by flying directly, you know, over them. I'll head in that direction, and then if there's, once I get to the woods, uh, maybe I will go. Um, land and so so people aren't tracking me in the sky right right if that makes sense
1: that makes total sense and I, I i would think within you know a few minutes or something you're all back in the woods you know and uh you're at the edge of the woods immediate pursuit is not forthcoming because the the few guards that are out in the village itself are not going to take initiative to go charging out and chasing you. The people in the castle are still trying to lower the drawbridge and and get out. And so you guys have a bit of a, a head start. And I assume you'll just uh, regroup and run like hell through the forest, right?
3: Yep. Back to this, this Hampton, Everyone go. But, well, let's not forget, uh, we've got to return uh, these, um, these waxed Dummies, or whatever. You don't. Do,
1: yeah, you got to go back and uh, bury your mannequins. Good, uh, you had two more good, days. Good point,
4: little one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, should, we should do that now. It sounded like if we don't do that, that would be very bad for yeah, us. You'll,
1: you'll die if you don't do it on the third day at midnight and go to hell. That was the deal. So. And and maybe maybe Merlin
4: has some, uh, or or maybe we could get the demon to fix uh, our friends' friend uh, our friends' fingers here. He's, he'll need those eventually.
1: Well, you do know where you could give some healing, which is the Abbey. But you have good reason to believe Sister Maud told you that when you gave her that amber necklace that you stole from Dacuzzi's mistress Beatrice. But you also know that the Flemish mercenaries went to the Abbey to, to look for. They thought the pooper Bandits might be hiding there. Whether Furiel is interested in healing magic as part of the deal, you don't know. But I'll assume you rush off and eventually, after some time, make your way back into Creswell Crags where Merlin's cave was. Now you've already replayed. Now the lucky, the lovely lads were waiting at the forest edge for you, and they've all rejoined you again. So you've got about a dozen adolescents running with you in the forest. When you get back to where the magic circle was outside the cave, it's still scratched into the ground. Remember you scratched into the ground with a sword and, and wrote some demon names around it. It's still there. Only a little bit disturbed by wind. So, uh, do you want to rebury your little beeswax mannequins of yourselves then? And, and by now I think an hour has passed. So Arthur's visible again and Belgar looks like Belgar again. And, uh, Spencer's not flying. And, uh, Roger's limping, but he's keeping up, and so yeah, I, I'll assume you. could got, probably have
4: Roger, Roger on the horse with Belgar. Not a terrible idea. Seems to make sense. That makes sense. So yeah,
1: I'll assume yeah. yeah. Do Do you guys want to bury bury, your all mannequin? bury
3: our mannequins.
4: Yeah,
1: and and unfortunately, if you wanted to summon Furiel again, you have to wait till night um, and wait for Saturn to come out. So this, this is, and this is still morning. You guys stayed up all night last night doing that. You arrived at Nottingham in the morning, so it's probably like midday now. It would be a long wait for for night. But when you bury the mannequins, the second the last one of you uh, buries the little mannequin in the ground, the, the circle that you created on the ground just dissipates into smoke, rises up in the air. There's no sign that that magic circle was ever there. Meanwhile, Merlin's huge rock is still rolled in front of his, his I was going to say his tomb, but his, his napping place. And uh, there's almost no sign that anyone was ever here. But you can tell Roger definitely, he's been beaten, his fingers are broken. You, he, he definitely needs care. You you hope that Sister Maud is still hanging out in Sour Hampton. Uh, but uh, can, I, can I assume you'll... You'll make your way back there rather than waiting around for midnight to summon Furiel.
3: Yeah, I think uh, we should count ourselves lucky we, we got away with doing one deal with her. We shouldn't make another. I think if we head to the uh, Southampton, uh, maybe uh, the Sister Maud will have some, uh, some training and, you know, healing, maybe... Maybe she can uh, fix those fingers for you, Roger. Maybe she
4: can give him a hand. Is that what you were saying?
1: It's not funny. It's not funny. I hope I, I may never shoot a bow again. What kind of a bandit will I be? But at least I'm not in those terrible dungeons anymore. They beat me severely. But I didn't talk. I'm no snitch. I didn't say anything. They kept asking me where were the rest of the poop ruby bandits, and I didn't say anything. Anyways, you guys are making your way through the trails back towards Sourhampton. There's actually a group, a long line of nuns walking down the road. They're limping. Their white habits are all stained. They seem like they're moving in the same direction you are. They're just coming from the crossroads that would have led to the Abbey earlier. This is about where you hid from those Flemish mercenaries when you were on your way to Merlin's Cave. And Sister Maud's not with them, but they uh, get startled when they see you guys, but you're obviously not soldiers. Uh, Some of the nuns are, like, bleeding from minor wounds, but mostly they just look dirty. And they're shocked and surprised when they see you. But there's, like, two dozen of them in his pilgrimage. And uh, they, they gather together defensively until they realize you're probably not a threat. A couple of them even recognize roger one of them runs up and touches his leg on his perch there on the back of the horse and she says what has happened what has happened
3: Oh, uh, we just rescued uh roger uh, roger from um the dungeons uh, and oh. he was
1: injured by the guards well we have problems of our own believe me the the Flemish mercenaries, they came to the Abbey looking for the Poop Ruby Bandits. I can only assume that's you.
3: The, the one and only Poop Ruby Bandits. Huh. Heroes of England.
2: And it, uh, uh, Arthur at that point is going to take uh, handfuls of gold and just begin like throwing them at the nuns.
1: Well, they—they they will certainly not frantically and with as much dignity as they can muster. They will pick them up. And uh, thank you, God bless, God bless. This will help for the rebuilding. You know, they tore the place apart and they burned it. They burned all the wooden parts anyway. The—the the, the stone superstructure is still solid. They didn't kill anyone. Thank the Lord, thanks, sweet Jesus. But they carried off the candlesticks and the braziers and all the other wealth, and they burned the books. All those Flemish mercenaries are surely hellbound. We're going to Sourhampton to find our matron, Sister Maud, and ask what's what's next or what we can do. Are you headed there as well?
5: Yes, yes. and uh, I suspect that, um, that the sheriff is, is not going to be happy um, with us, and the fact that they just... Uh, the, the, the mercenaries... Um, What they've done to the Abbey, I suspect, um, may soon be the fate of Sourhampton if we don't go there and, um, well, prevent it, really.
1: We we place ourselves under your protection. You have a noble bearing, sir.
5: Very well. Then, um, yeah, let's go and, um, you know, see what we can do. I suppose we, um, yeah. I don't have, How I don't many have of, a specific plan, but we'll come up with something. <laughs>
4: How many of uh, the ladies are there, there? There's
1: about two dozen. They're, they're essentially non-combatants, but uh, there's there's quite a few of them.
4: Well,
3: you, you're nuns, but when you, you know, join forces together, you might be quite formidable. Uh, maybe, um, I don't know, like...
0: I was thinking, like, what is it, Voltron or something.
4: I was like, nun will stand in your way?
1: Make a giant nun robot. You know, like a great big cheerleading pyramid of fighting nuns. Mega nun. uh, Mega (laughs) nun. Well,
4: well. when we inevitably need to protect Sourhampton, we have our plan now. So, nun wall. Nun wall.
1: (laughs) Well, you and the nun wall uh, make your way back through. And, you know, it takes a while. You travel for a good, but towards evening... You see the pitiful lights of Sourhampton through the trees. And uh, Archibald Pretty John, the elder, sees you coming, and he sees all the nuns. Sister Maud rushes up to the nuns. Amy Shakes, the girl who kind of likes Spencer, runs up and grabs Spencer and hugs him. He says, oh, you're so brave, Spencer. Uh, Archibald Pretty John says, thank you for bringing our boy back. Thank you for bringing our boy back. Oh, but and then nuns explain what what has happened, and you you all must be you all must be exhausted," says Sister Maud. "Well, the lovely lads will keep a watch tonight. You should you should get some sleep. That's what you should do." Huh. Yeah, we.
5: Say, I'm very tired, and we all are. Um, but we should be prepared. The sheriff of nodded him as a vengeful,
1: evil man, and he will come
5: here for
1: us. Well, surely he can't get all of his, his... His. He'll have to round up his mercenaries from various places before he does that. We might have some time. I will tend to all your wounds if you have any cuts or scratches, and I will see what I can do. This is Sister Maud speaking about poor Roger Good's fingers. Your fingers are okay, though, aren't they, Spencer? Says Amy. <laughs> <any> shape. shakes. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh.
3: You, <laughs> you'll see, they're... They're great.
1: What is wrong with me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're going we're going down a bad road here, guys. We're going down a bad road. <laughs> anyway, you get some much needed sleep and some minor patching up and the next morning when the cock crows uh, and you're you're eating the greasy porridge they have for breakfast and everyone's still nervous, just breathless peasant. Whoa, who,
4: who, who's calling my porridge greasy? You no, know, it
1: was If you're cooking then the porridge is excellent. But uh, that's right. That's right. But a breathless peasant just comes running into Sourhampton. He's like I've come all the way from Nottingham. Oh, oh, I've got such a pain in my side from running. Oh Listen, listen, my wife's a cook in the castle, and she told me the sheriff's recalled all the Flemish mercenaries from all the places, he's scattered them looking for the poop ruby bandits and he's he's gathered them all together in a force to march on Sourhampton. They'll be here tonight. They'll be here tonight and 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 they're going to punish the people, she said, for aiding and abetting the poop-ruby bandits. They're going to burn the place down and and arrest everyone. And Guy of Gisborne is leading them. And Sir Takusi is with them. And he's sworn revenge on all of you. He said he's going to hurt you where you hurt him. I don't know what that means. But it sounded terrible. So you, you have to escape and flee. Flee into the forest. Where will we go, says Archibald put it on. This is our home. No, this is where we must make our stand, says Sister Maud. And then they all, everybody, all eyes in the village look to you, the leaders of the poop ruby Bandits, for direction. We're on your side, shout out to lovely lads. Tell us what to do. Yes, tell us what to do. How can we defend ourselves? And all the, the nuns say, I'll help. And... Archibald, on his even on his one leg, hobbles up, and you can have my sword. You've got my pitchfork," says another. "Lead us! Tell us what to do." And my axe,
0: yeah, and my axe. Yeah. Uh,
1: well,
3: we, we've we've got to have a montage uh, training, and
1: yeah, yeah, you definitely need a training montage, and you got a day, basically, you got like a eight hour work day. You think? To if they're going to get here in the evening, you, you have some time to prepare. But
4: can they, we assume. They will
1: surely come in force.
4: Yeah, can we assume. Uh, it's impossible for me to separate, like, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind of uh, trappings to this place that we're in here with, you know, and, and in that case, with walkways that have been put up, Ewok Village style kind of. Is, sure, is that, the
1: lovely lads are crafty that way. And. It's a sure. Robin Hoodish God. legend. We can assume that any of the trappings of a Robin Hood legend would be present.
3: Okay.
4: Well, Belgar would, uh, would toss out the idea of, of getting as many sort of hot kettles of I mean, not boiling, but some sort of, you know, wax or there's probably not a lot of tar or things like that around here. But whatever, whatever could be heated. Put into vessels that could be dumped upon people from height, uh, from high places would be a solid, solid idea.
1: We could, we could certainly come up with some boiling water. Boys, get to it! Says Archibald, and they rush up on every pot, every kettle, anything they could find in the village. They get the big fire going. They're running down to the stream to fill it up, we'll fill them all up with water. I think that sounds like a great plan, and we'll we'll assume that you take charge of that aspect of the village defenses. Uh, you, the rest of you have any ideas?
3: Uh, I think we should uh, dig some pits and uh, put some some spikes in there and uh, that that sort of stuff.
1: Okay, okay. So we dig some. They, we we could certainly come up with some wooden spikes. Uh, uh but dig dig like the wind, boys! And they're throwing out. They're finding any shovels and spades, whatever they can come up with, and to start digging as fast as they can. Uh on the the main approach into the town, they can't dig a perimeter around the entire thing, but there's a pretty obvious, there's only one way into town if you're going to gallop in here with a bunch of horses. And and it's a pretty obvious entrance. So um, uh, Spencer, we assume you'll, you'll take the lead in that. But then a lot of the men who do manage to scrap together some weapons and a lot of the lovely lads, because, you know, you may be a bastard, noble Arthur, but you are a noble and blood will out, as they say. And so you have that noble bearing, and a lot of the <clears throat> the more militant and able-bodied men you find rallying around you, looking up at you with expectant faces. What do we do?
5: Well, I think what we need to do is find a very mighty tree and fell it, and make one end pointy and then make it into a giant swinging trap with ropes that we can unleash upon the horde of mercenaries when they arrive.
1: I see, I see. Well, we'd better get to it. Bring out the axes! Bring out the axes! You look lively there! Let's go, let's go! You heard the man! All right. And so, for the whole rest of the day, there is that montage sequence of everybody getting ready, all the villagers throwing themselves into it, and, uh by by the time it's dusk is approaching it's not dark yet but everyone has basically got everything set there are several dozen kettles of very hot water up in the trees you had to wait to the last minute to climb up there with them you know so they'd still be hot right and uh
4: well and and just kind of narratively along with that any <coughs> all manner of ladles and mugs and basically Belgar being commander of the Air Force is what I'm
1: thinking here. yeah anything the, uh, that could be hurled from trees into the yeah. faces of Flemish mercenaries as they ride through
4: including including himself <laughs> okay. uh, if the opportunity should arise it but would we'll, not we'll be see. the
1: we'll get there. would not be the first time he has launched himself at a target um, and uh, so in the meanwhile Spencer you, you've you they've got a decent pit Doug it's about six feet deep it's going all the way across the the pathway the only pathway that a large body of mercenaries could take and uh they've got it lined with some sharp sticks and spikes did you have a plan to cover it in any way or is just you'll they ride into it fast and don't see it
0: yeah i should definitely be try to be covered and uh camouflaged as much as possible
1: okay okay well, uh, I think we can assume they probably got some netting for fishing in the lake. And it's not perfect, but in the dusk with some leaves, it's mm-hmm. at least it's at least semi obscured. And then after much, much work, they they do fell the the biggest tree they have, a, a great big oak. And it was it was kinda dying anyway and it's very old. Uh, Archibald Pretty Johnson says I watched that tree my whole life. It was old when I was a boy, but hopefully it will serve a good cause now. And it took a long time. There's a lot of heave-hoeing involved, right, to get that thing up in the air. And I assume this is, like, set to, like, swing down on them, essentially, as they're entering the the village, right? Or exiting the forest, really. It's like the edge of the forest, yeah. Okay. All right. And it certainly won't get all of them, but if it gets a huge number of them, the rest of them would probably fall into the pit or fall victim to these other things. So hopefully between the three, and in this system, which I love about this system, is you guys get the narrative control. You don't have to rely on what the Dungeon Master interprets, right? So everybody is then waiting. Now you talk about a montage sequence. Now there's that sequence there always is where it's just one shot after another of people's faces. Quiet. Everyone in the village is quiet, watching the woods, listening. And suddenly in the distance you can hear hoofbeats. And it's louder and louder and louder. And uh, you can hear, even though you, have, I don't think you've met him yet. Well, I think he might have been in Counting Money with the Sheriff. But you hear Guy of Gisborne's voice screaming, You know, a pound for every head! A pound for every head! Yes! And then you hear Dekusi's voice but those three poop ruby bandits are mine. I'm going to give them a ruby they'll never forget. And just then they come charging around the corner. And I think the first thing they would probably run into is these hot kettles of, of near boiling water. So why don't you, Belgar, go ahead and make a roll to... I think this was well planned and you're crafty. So obviously you should get your your three dice on this you're kind of rolling for the whole shebang though is all the guys up in the trees are so hurling things and dumping boiling water on them go ahead and make that roll and then you can tell us exactly what happens it won't get all of them but you can probably get a lot of them
4: three five and one
1: <clears throat> hey hey hey! there's that five you need yeah my only caveat would be that that every single one of them will not be stopped by this but i can certainly yeah, yeah, see yeah. it getting a lot of them so what happens
4: well, I also like, so obviously the, just the hot liquid of whatever variety it is, water or, or whatever, hitting a bunch of them and, and causing uh, pain, incapacitation, whatever it is. I also like the concept of the kettles themselves
1: sure.
4: being pushed down or fallen and, you know, kind of comically landing on some of their heads. Um, and so you've got some of these uh mercenaries that are running around scalded but then also have these big kettles on their heads so they can't see so they're probably running around <laughs> bumping into each other <laughs> tripping them and, and and to just advance to the next part of the plot it would be fantastic if there was a group of them that are doing this and they're pushing and they accidentally push uh any number of them into um our good friend spencer's uh spike trap or pit trap whatever that is
1: okay Um, that's that's a perfect segue it's a perfect segue now how well did you make this though you know they a lot of them are are being pushed that front ranks are are definitely charging and and some of them charging some of them blindly charging with kettles on their heads other ones screaming because they're hot water on them or they've been brained in the skull with a pewter mug that's been hurled from the treetops at them and they're coming right up. So, Spencer, why don't you make a roll and see just how well you guys did and how well you set those spikes and how, how terrible this is going to be. And then you'll be able to narrate what happens. And then there's only going to be the back the back line left. That back line, of course, has Dacoussi and Guy of Gisborne in it. But, uh, so, uh, so,
0: how many do I need to roll?
1: Uh, well, go ahead and roll your three dice. Um, I would argue you could say it takes certain agility to string this netting upright and lay it all down and get the get the spikes angled in the ground just right now you're probably gonna hurt some horses here but oh well horses get hurt no horses were harmed in the making of this podcast all right so here we go
0: and what um we're looking for a five i'm not gonna lie i i rolled two twos and a three Uh uh-oh uh-oh not good enough
1: no not good enough not good enough um so you get to narrate how the you also get to narrate the failure though the result of it I mean I could see a few guys falling in maybe but you know. so what goes wrong
0: yeah so I'm gonna say like as they get closer um, it's actually just the the horses can tell that something's not right with right. that and they kind of you know, get spooked like it's, you know, some kind of animal or something, you know, they won't, they won't cross it. And maybe one guy, once they, the, a horse suddenly stops, you know, one guy like topples over it and falls into the pit. But mainly yeah. uh, the whole bunch of them are, are stopping behind the first horse that stopped, you know, and they, they're kind of... Uh, uh, they're not just charging right over it right you know, maybe maybe if the uh, the riders can get them to to leap over it or something but
1: well and I think a few of the guys would have fallen in already especially guys with kettles on their heads and so there's yeah. there's a, a decent amount of guys laying down there but certainly not the whole force. but we have one final plan in our arsenal which is the thing nobody notices which is the giant oak with a sharpened point that could be just about ready to come swinging down. You've got the bulk of these guys sort of milling around and trying to induce their horses to leap over the pit. You can see now Guy of Gisborne, and he's no slouch. You know He's up there in his black, his smoked black chainmail and his bullet-shaped helmet. And then, of course, you see Dacuzzi, who's got this ridiculous French helmet with all the plumage on it and a bright blue cloak. He's real easy to see, but you notice that he's staying very much towards the back. Uh, but they're all in confusion. They have expected any of this. And so, Arthur, let's see how well your plan does. And of course, you can enjoy great freedom in narrating this if and when you succeed. Oh!
2: It's going to be two or three.
1: I think it should be three. I mean, it takes some strength to haul a thing up there like that. And then some strength to... Chop that rope hard enough to, with all that tension that must be on it, you know. And hey, he's holding up a six at the camera, my friends. So please tell us exactly what happens with your huge swinging pointy oak.
2: Well, it just it comes down. I mean, I'm assuming it has to weigh an incredible amount, and I, I just have this I'm imagining that he's just like pulls on it, and it just. How tall? I mean, was this tree you know tall? I'm assuming, and it just oh yeah would shred through the ranks. Um, I, I, and I don't know if it's large enough or we had enough rope that it would reach the back ranks. But I would like to I think, think it that um, would. yeah, I would like to think that. Um, yeah, I'm imagining Dacus sitting there in his you know fancy armor with a smug look on his face. And maybe a little bit irritated that like things haven't quite gone according to plan, um, and he's sitting next to uh, to guy, and um, then then out of nowhere this this giant tree just like imp- just rams in the pointed end rams into the smoked uh, chainmail uh, of his <laughs> buddy, and just. He just disappears off of his horse. <laughs> it's
1: like, where'd he go? You're talking like, about a Guy? A long... yeah. you, you, so guy plays over, so leaving Dacousie suddenly. Yeah, Whatever happened to Guy Gisborne, we don't know. He just disappeared. He's not on the back of the horse. He could be like half a mile away in the forest, stuck in a tree. He could have been pulped. We don't know. We don't know. But Dacousie, <laughs> you know, his eyes are wide in shock. All the men around him are. He's like one of the only ones left still up. He looks over across the pit at the villagers who are now starting to step out, and he sees the three of you, and his eyes go wide in fear.
4: And- so there's a. Sorry. <clears throat> in the spirit of the narrative uh, control here. Uh, So that log goes through, and now there's Dekusi on a horse sitting next to a horse without a rider. Right. Correct? All right. No guts, no glory. So uh, Belgar would like to, wherever he is above all of this happening, and hopefully he doesn't murder this horse, would like to take a a flying leap to try to land on the horse next to Dekusi.
1: Go for it. Go for it. And I'm even going to give you the three dice on this because— you know, you could almost argue for anything, but it's a crafty move, and I'd like to see it succeed. So,
4: one, four, five.
1: Hey, there Quintinac. you go. So, Dakusy's like ah! when suddenly he looks over, and you're right next to him on horseback. Hello again, friend. And then he he looks around, and he looks at everybody and goes retreat, retreat.
4: Belgar. Uh, we'll take, a, I'm just going to freely think that he has a frying pan on him at all times. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Take that frying pan out and just smack the the back, what do you call it, the haunch of yeah. the horse <clears throat> that Takusi's on to get it to take off. Okay.
1: It does. It does take off. But unfortunately, and it was facing, you know, the village. So it actually, he's like, no, no, Horsey, turn around, turn around, Horsey. And it's charging right into the village. And uh, I'm going to say the horse is smart. It leaps It leaps the pit. But now Takusi is like on horseback and he, he's, he, you know, the horse is, is uh, turning about in fear. There's dozens of angry villagers all around him. And he says, oh, oh, oh,
3: oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I never meant it. I, I, uh, no, I'm hey. with you. Hey. Oh, oh. Do you want your Pope Ruby back? Of course I do.
0: Um, I'm assuming we kept it, right? We didn't give it away. You never gave it um, away. Okay. Well I'm gonna assume that I have it then just for uh narration. <laughs> and I'm going to put it in my slingshot. <laughs> f-
1: f- uh, Archibald <laughs> Riley, Riley Ar- Archibald Riley. Archibald Pretty John sees what's going on and he just pants Dacoussi. just yanks the pants right down and now okay, he's that's like better. bent over his horse and you slingshot to poop, Ruby, <laughs> and um, we're gonna have to roll for this. But <laughs> I, I want it to work so bad, I'm lowering the, the to, to four. You know. Okay.
2: <laughs> so he's okay. So he's pants like 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 kind of bending over or whatever, and we've got you know uh, Spencer like with this poop Ruby and a slingshot run back and I just you know just imagine that the lucky lads or lovely lads start singing
1: like this song if they, they do they start singing the song again he's like stop singing that stop singing that and he's crying and humiliated so go ahead and roll let's see what happens with that poop Ruby let's see, let's see if it goes back from whence it came <laughs> you go you can take it back you realize the force that's gonna have to be in that that sling but
0: <laughs> all right well I, I wrote two 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 fives and one four
1: okay well, that's what you needed so go ahead and narrate what happens
0: what happens when that poop ruby hits its mark <laughs> well <laughs> yeah so uh just a uh, hole in one, basically. I uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm
1: going to hope you put it in your mouth and spit it up and lubricated it a little bit, you know. But the hole in one. And again, there's this high pitched squeal like a pig scream, you know, as the poop ruby goes right back up Dacusi's ass. And there's this huge cheering. Meanwhile, the Flemish mercenaries who haven't died or been smashed or burned. You can hear them, "Disgubin, disgubin, disgubin!" They're all running away. They're they're running like mad, fleeing the scene. Uh, Dakusy's screaming at the top of his lungs. His horse gets scared at this point, though, and then and and bolts. And he's like, Ah-ha-ha-ha! 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 "And he's he off into the forest." But at least he got his ruby back. And. Uh, there is great rejoicing. All the people cheer. A great cry rises up. Um, everybody's patting each other on the backs and hugging each other. They go around gathering up all the kettles and start trying to prepare a big, a big meal. Uh, Sister Maud comes up to all of you. Says, Thank you. Thank you so much. But you know, this is far from over. The guy of Gisborne, if he survived... We'll certainly be back. Takusi you may have scared off for good, but the Sheriff of Nottingham will never countenance this humiliation. I'm afraid your adventures in Sherwood Forest may only be just beginning, my friends. But for tonight we celebrate. And then Amy Shakes comes over and gives you a great big kiss right on the mouth, Spencer. And I turn as
0: red as a ruby. Yeah. You know, but not a they, poop
1: ruby. Not a poop ruby. And then and then there's the uh, the obligatory scene where they, they hoist you guys all up on their shoulders and uh, cheering, carry you back to feast. And uh, and then there's another a clapping sound. And Robin Hood steps out. the Jolly good, jolly good. I couldn't have managed that better myself. I say you really are great robbers. I do hope you'll join me in my fight against Prince John. And I think this is good enough place to <laughs> just go ahead and wrap up our adventures in Sherwood Forest. All right,
2: I was gonna—I was debating whether I should smack
1: Robin Hood, but
2: I just smack didn't Robin Hood.
4: <laughs> he never said his name, so that's right—he didn't say his name. But Delgar right. could go. Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Well, those are our adventures in Sherwood Forest. I do like this. Uh, if you're looking for a good rules light system, uh, I like this uh, Trek Cube Tales a lot better than some other ones we've done and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of these mini games again you can get that try go to drive through rpg you can get the try tails like for a dollar for your phone but you don't even have to pay the dollar it's just cool to do it's the pdf setup to where you can just flip through it on your phone they've got some extra rules for stuff we didn't really use but it's still a very rules light system and uh, zach thanks for joining us for this series of adventures
4: Anytime, always a great time to join my friends on the Goonies World Podcast.
1: All right, and we'll probably take a week off after the series, but we'll see you next time with something completely different.
0: Hey, everybody. If you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a good rating and or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or wherever you're able. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at Goonies underscore world, and check out our website at GooniesWorldPodcast.com. Email us at GooniesWorldPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.